That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Anya? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome back to the show to be named later, part two of episode 39. Hope you enjoyed the shoeless Joe Jackson part of the episode. Now we are talking about the 2013 Pittsburgh Pirates bringing back uh, a winning culture to the city of Pittsburgh after, you know, a crazy, crazy long drought. Daniel, get into the semantics of what the, uh, what the Pirates were up to in 2013. In 1992, the Pirates were winning 2-1 to one in Game 7 of the National League Championship Series, trying to go to the World Series. And then you know the story, Doug, Doug Drabeck uh, stays out there too long, and Francisco Cabrera, Sid Breen with a broken knee, you already know the story. They lose on a walk-off. And also, Barry Bonds, their star player who won MVP that season, leaves for the San Francisco. That was the last time they made it to the playoffs. That was also the last time they had a winning season. It was 20 years ago, and they can't get over 500 cents. And also, they were... They had a very bad taste in their mouth from the previous season. On August 8th, 2012, the Pirates were 63-47 and 47 and in line for a wildcard spot, but they finished the season by going 16-36 and 36 and ended up finishing 79-83 and 83 under 500. So this team needed some sort of rebound because obviously they had the potential to compete. They did for two-thirds of the season. They just crumbled in the last one-third. So they signed Russell Martin, uh, the catcher, of course, to be their starting catcher as a free agent. They re-signed Jason Grilly. Uh, they signed Francisco Liriano, took a chance on him. He had some up and down years prior to 2013. They also traded uh, closer Joel Hanrahan to the Red Sox and got Mark Melanson in return. And, you know, they make some uh, improvements to their team here and there. But honestly, they were really not predicted to be anything special. Uh, Bleacher Report had them finishing exactly 81 and 81 finishing fourth in the NL Central. Grandland had them 80 and 82, third in the NL Central. TeamRankings.com had them as 77 and 85, fourth in the NL Central, with an 18% chance of making the playoffs. And also, no one out of the entire 31 writers on Fangraph staff, none of them had them making the playoffs, not as the NL Central champion, not as the wild card winners. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough... Uh... Rough scenario, rough uh, expectations, especially, you know, the momentum was not going their way. I know, you know, there's an offseason in, in between, but the momentum was not going the Pirates' way. Ending a season 16 and 36, never going to work out. And they didn't really start that well to begin with. They went one and five in their first six games, but they flip it around. They end up going 15 and 12 in April. So a happy ending for, uh, for the month of April for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they had a dead even run differential at the end of April. They were second in the NL Central and they were half a game behind the Cardinals. At the end of April, Russell Martin had 1.6 wins above replacement, which was tied for fifth in entire Major League Baseball. And Starling Marte had, had 1.3 wins above replacement and that was tied for 11th in the entire Major League Baseball. So that was their April, and you know they were hovering above 500. But then they got scorching to start the summer. 
between May 1st and July 14th, that being the end of the first half, they went 41-25 and with a third-best record in the league. One of the teams above them happened to be the St. Louis Cardinals, who was in their division. So they were on the brink of first place. They had a 275 team ERA, which led the majors by a country mile. Second best was the Oakland A's with a 332. So they were almost a full run better than anyone else during that time. Francisco Liriano, the guy they took a chance on, 9-3 and three with a 2 ERA during that period of time from May 1st to July 14th. That would be the second best ERA in the majors. Also during that time, Jeff Locke, he was the one guy who beat Liriano in ERA. He was 5-1 with a 1-9 ERA. A.J. Burnett had a 3.18 ERA. Rookie Garrett Cole had a 3.89. You know, not great, but certainly very good for a rookie. Wandy Rodriguez, a 3.38 ERA. And Mark Melanson, the guy they traded Hanrahan for, an 0.89 earned run average during that period of time. So now we're looking at the second half. The Pirates sent Andrew McCutcheon, Pedro Alvarez, Francisco Liriano, Jason Grilly, and Mark Melanson to the All-Star game. Very impressive stuff from a team that hadn't seen winning culture in a while. That was already uh, just suddenly seeing it. But they stumbled out of the gate in the second half. They went 23-19 and 19, uh, from the start of the second half until the end of August. And going into September, the Pirates were in first place in the NL Central by one game with a month left. So now in September, the Pirates are 79 and 56 and they're just about to clinch their first winning season since the end of the Bonds era. And they go 15 and 12 in the month just like they did in April. However, the Cardinals scorched and they went 19 and 8. They easily won the division. But the important thing, on September 23rd, the Pirates magic number to clinch the division was 2. They could have clinched with a win and a Nationals loss. The Nationals are playing in St. Louis, so the odds are in their favor for a Nats loss. They had to do their job. In their game against the Cubs at Wrigley, Starlin Marte hit a go-ahead home run in the ninth to give the Buccos a 2-1 lead. And then Jason Grilly came out for the save and walked Deonor Navarro. Nate Shearholds then hit into a force out. So now there's a man on first with two outs. Ryan Sweeney's coming up to bat for the Cubs. Save it for Melanson. The 2-2 pitch, and a fly ball to right center field. That's going to drop for a hit. And Bobble, McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks for the plate. Here's the throw. Wow. It is out. The Buckos win it. Raise the Jolly Roger. They waved home Sheerholtz. He's thrown out at the plate. The Buckos win their 90th. What a finish. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Incredible. Bell waves home the runner. He is tagged out. The Pirates raise the Jolly Roger for the 90th time in an absolutely incredible finish. So that would shrink the magic number down to one. And later on, the Nationals lost to the Cardinals and the Pirates had clinched their first playoff berth in 20 years. And in the end, the Pirates finished the season 94 and 68, holding the top wildcard spot in the National League. And that is thanks to spectacular performances from many players, Andrew McCutcheon, most notably, the most valuable player 
of the National League in 2013. He slashed 317, 404, 508, 911 with a 157 OPS plus. And it was the highest Fangraphs war produced by any pirate from the start of that famous drought. And he really turned it up towards the end of the season from June 28th on. He slashed 347, 449, 565, 1013. And in that span, he ranked fourth in the major league in the major leagues in average, second in on-base percentage, and fifth in OPS. Also on uh, the pitching side of things, Francisco Liriano had a 302 ERA, which ranked second among all Pirates pitching seasons since 1993, minimum 160 innings. He had 161, didn't qualify. One inning for qualifying. One inning short of qualifying. Very unfortunate. Come on. He wasn't the only ace that staff either, though. A.J. Burnett had a 3-3-0 ERA and a 2-8-0 FIP in 191 innings. That FIP was eighth in Major League Baseball. Russell Martin had a 5.4 Fangraphs war, which ranked fourth among catchers. Mark Belanson, the guy they traded Hanrahan for, a 1-3-9 ERA and a 1-6-4 FIP, which re- and he ranked first in National League reliever Fangraphs war. He was the best he was the best producer of all relievers in the National League according to Fangraphs. And also, the bullpen had the second best earned run average in the National League. Two, eight, the, bullpen, nine. the bullpen is kind of uh, famous, I guess more in recent history, but it was a thing in their uh, in their clubhouse. I'll let I'll let the uh, the TBS broadcast um, set the set the record straight with this bullpen story. Welcome back to Pittsburgh, where the Pirates have turned over a 3-2 lead to their bullpen, better known in these parts as the Shark Tank. The name came from reliever Mark Melanson after a trip to New Zealand with his wife, during which he was able to swim with some sharks and through a breeding program, actually stamp a shark with his name. That's right, there's a shark with the name Melanson swimming around the Pacific somewhere. Well, they didn't stop there. Mid-season, they brought an aquarium into the clubhouse. Pirate ship and all, it sits there as some symbolism for the Shark Tank bullpen. Dick, Bob, it is a bullpen with bite. we're going to need a bigger boat. How often do you see a guy like Melanson come in as a young kid? You tra- you traded a you traded someone of high value and high uh, profile for him. He comes in as this young kid, you know, gets outs, has the best reliever war in the NL, and also works as a glue guy. Like he brought that bullpen together, gave them that nickname, brought in an aquarium and everything, and that's sort of the thing that you really love to see from a team you know, like this. Yeah. It's a culmination of like, he was probably the ace of the bullpen, even though he wasn't the closer. And, you know, this was their uh, first time, you know, being consistently good in a very long time. So Mm -hmm. they just kind of let him take the reins. And I I guess it worked out in the clubhouse for sure. I mean, I I have to, you have to applaud Clint Hurdle for that. Like just letting the young guy take over and create something like that, that's stuck and got the guys together and led the bullpen to having the second-best ERA in the National League. Yeah. I love that that happened. So now 
They're playing in the wild card game against the Cincinnati Reds. The Pirates had just completed a three-game sweep of the Reds on their own turf on the last weekend of the season, so their momentum is on the side. It's Johnny Cueto, who has a 2.82 ERA in a 60-innings pitch season because of injuries, versus Liriano. Now, this is the biggest game the Pirates have played in in the last 20 years. Uh, a buddy of mine is a Pirates fan, and I talked to him about his personal experience, and he said his dad was talking to, about, to him before the game, like days before, about how much a playoff game meant to Pittsburgh, and he made him actually watch and relive the Francisco Cabrera and the Sid Breen play to really get that mood in of, like, we were robbed, like, we had it, and this is finally our chance to to salvage that and really have a moment to feel – yeah we got something back Mm -hmm. so this was a huge game for pittsburgh it was the first playoff game in the history of pnc park and luckily uh, the pirates did go 18 11 and 8 against the reds in the regular season so momentum was on their side lariano was pitching they just swept the reds on their own turf the pirates are favorites for this game also andrew mccutcheon's mom sang the national anthem before the game if that didn't get you hyped up I don't know what's going to, especially if you're Kutch. So now it's game time. In the bottom of the second inning, the game is scoreless. And then Marlon Bird, who was recently acquired at the waiver deadline, and he hit his way into the lineup with a 318 average and a 443 OPS with the Pirates after being traded over, uh, stepped up to the plate against Cueto. Neil Huntington pushing a lot of right buttons this season for this franchise. Well hit to left. Deep and gone. First postseason at bat. And Marlon Bird has put the Pirates on top. So you may have heard there, that was his first postseason plate appearance, and Marlon Byrd was a veteran who had been waiting a long time for it. Coming into the 2013 season, Marlon Byrd had 4,000 career plate appearances already, a 749 career OPS, which is respectable. He played for five different teams, um, the Phillies, the Nationals, the Rangers, the Cubs, and the Red Sox. And this guy, a veteran, finally gets his taste of postseason play, immediately makes his mark. And later on, two batters later, in fact, that home run by Marlon Bird was all the Yinzers in the crowd needed to get rowdy. And they made their mark in Johnny Cueto's head later on. In 55 runs, hit 226. What a great guy to have behind the plate with his pitching staff. crowd trying to get under Johnny Cueto's skin and they might be that ball's hit well to left center field 
back toward the trap. And that ball is gone. Russell Martin, 2 nothing Pittsburgh. How often do you see a guy just drop the ball off the mound like that? I mean, especially it's like that's the one time you can't drop the ball. I feel mm-hmm. like it's happened before, but when the when fifty thousand people are chanting your name, you just you have to make sure that ball is is being held. Exactly. Uh, I remember the next season, I went to a. This is completely random, but I went to a game in Toronto. Um, and the Clay Buckles was pitching for the Red Sox as the visiting pitcher at this game. And like once, like a few sections over, the Blue Jays fans started trying to do the same thing where they chanted Buckles, Buckles. It was only one section and it wasn't nearly as loud and Clay was fine. Oh, but yeah. I remember that whole time I was just thinking, man, they're no Pittsburgh because yeah. literally what happened there was perfect. Like they start it, he drops the ball, then the very next pitch he gives up a home run. Yeah, I, yeah, that was perfect and I remember like the 2013 playoffs it, like people tried to start it in other stadiums mm-hmm. although after uh 2013 ALDS game one Myers Will Myers yeah um you know he miscommunication in right field and the ent- basically the, definitely the entire right field and maybe the entire uh stadium of Fenway Park was chanting Myers Myers but even but, that, like, wasn't nearly as loud as this was. Yeah, no one could top PNC. No one could do PNC it. PNC did it the best way possible. Yes. So now it's 2 nothing, Pirates. And, I mean, how can you even come back if you're the Reds after that? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's two, it feels like the biggest 2 nothing lead ever. Exactly, especially because it happened within two batters. Yeah. So in the third inning, Pedro Alvarez hits a sack fly to make it 3 nothing. The Pirates later get two more runs in the fourth on a double by Neil Walker and a ground out by Bird. And also Russell Martin hit another home run. And all this set up for Jason Grilly in the ninth. 20 years of frustration. 20 years of absolutely irrelevant nothingness of baseball coming to an end. To second. The Pittsburgh Pirates are on their way to St. Louis in the National League Division Series. A playoff win in Pittsburgh for the first time since 1992. That crowd is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in Major League Baseball in any setting. Yeah, that the amount of uh, Jolly Rogers is mm-hmm. like the they did the blackout where everyone was wearing all black. You know, they have the, the flags flying everywhere. Like we need the Pirates to be good again, I'm telling you, because those crowds were electric. And that was just for a wild card game. And can you imagine like a game five of like a division series or championship series or even a world series? Yeah, that would be crazy. I mean, Pittsburgh is definitely a sports town. It's just yes. baseball. Baseball hasn't really, you know, been able to rise, prob- you know, because, you know, they, the they have like the lowest payroll in baseball. Yeah. I wish the Pirates would spend money. Yeah, um, it would be fun. 
it would, yeah, I'm telling you, man, like that was, that is so much fun to watch even seven years later as a completely neutral person, as far as both of those teams though, that crowd was, cannot be topped. Yeah. So now they're going to the National League Division Series to face the St. Louis Cardinals, the one team that beat them in the division. And in game one, A.J. Burnett gets rounded. The Cardinals score seven runs in the third inning, and the Pirates lost 9-1. to So that's a tough way to start the series. In game two, the Pirates actually pull the Uno reverse card, if you will, and their offense takes off. But the star of the game was not anyone off on offense. It was a starting pitching performance from the rookie, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, and the pitch that has really sort of changed his effectiveness for the good for the Pirates is his curveball in September. They arrive out of their farm system, Major League ready. He gets under this one and lofts it into right. And it will be Marlon Byrd to end the inning. Well, there's Cole up the middle for a base hit. Jay charging. Alvarez to the plate. Here's the throw. It's close, but he slides in safely. And the Pirates have a 1-0 lead on the Cole RBI hit. Wow. A rich and colorful history. Yadier Molina swings on the first pitch. And racing over to take it is McCutcheon. And on three pitches, he puts Lynn away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. That didn't take long. Took to it quickly and played at a near MVP level. Wow. Cole finding a groove. Three pitches to dispatch Lynn. Same story with Carpenter. As Holiday is called out on strikes. He started toward first, thought he had the walk, but Wally Bell wasn't buying it. Swing and a miss, strike three. The fourth strikeout for Cole. Bouncer to short. Mercer. Big hop. And that's that. If you're if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can check check it out on YouTube. That was 100 miles per hour on his last pitch. Yeah, in the, the sixth game. inning when you're a rookie. Yeah. Uh, Starlin Marte and Pedro Alvarez also homered in that game, and the Pirates won seven to one. Garrett Cole had more RBIs in the entire, or as many RBIs as the Cardinals in that game. So now we go to game three, back to Pittsburgh. The Pirates are winning 3-2 in the top of the eighth. Mark Melanson then serves a home run ball to Carlos Beltran, who ties it. So now it's bottom eight, tied 3-3. Kutch leads off with a double. Justin Morneau grounds into a force out. And by the way, Josh Harrison uh, pinch runs for Morneau. And Kutch... Uh, is out on the force. And then Bird walks. So Harrison's on second. Bird is on first. There's one out. And the Cardinals bring on lefty specialist Kevin Segrist to face Pedro Alvarez, an all-star from that season. And a ground ball. Base hit to right field. And Leva is going to send Harrison. The throw goes to third. Not in time. And the Pirates lead it 4-3. to three. goes 
the third, and the Pirates answer the Cardinal run with one of their own. Great move by Clint Hurdle to put Harrison in to pinch run for just a more no. Good speed from Harrison, turns that corner at third base, a quick peek over his shoulder, and he scores without a play at home. The throw went to third base and was offline. Pirates have him on the corners with only one out in the inning and have taken a 4-3 lead. There it is. Pedro Alvarez gives the Pirates the lead, and it would stay that way. They win 5-3, to three and they're up two games to one in the series. So now it's game four. Charlie Morton pitches pretty well for the Bucs, but Cardinals rookie Michael Walka dominates over seven and a third innings. And Matt Adams' two-run home run was all the offense the Cardinals needed. And the Cardinals won 2-1. to one. And if you remember, Michael Walka, he was dynamite against everybody during that late 2013 run that he had. Yeah. So, I mean, no shame in losing to that guy, but now you got to go back to St. Louis and face Adam Wainwright, which is going to be tough in a win-or-go-home situation. And, well, the Pirates get Wainwrighted. Waino goes nine innings pitched, eight hits, one run, eight walk, eh, one walk and six Ks. And, you know, you might be thinking, you know, eight hits, like they probably left a lot of men in scoring position. Actually, the fact of the matter is they really didn't. The Bucks went one for three with runners in scoring position. Matt Adams and David Freeze both homer, and the Cardinals win six to one. The Pirates' season comes to an end. In the series, Pedro Alvarez, 353, 421, 941, 1362 slash line, three home runs, six RBI. Marlon Bird, 333, 368, 444, 813. Also, Jason Grilly, Jenmar Gomez, and Tony Watson all pitched at least two innings without giving up an earned run. Liriano had a three-flat ERA in six innings pitched. Garrett Cole, a 2.45 in six innings pitched. And Charlie Morton, a 3.18 ERA in five and two-thirds innings pitched. So, Chris, the Pirates' season didn't end the way people had hoped, but the team brought a winning culture to the city that hadn't seen it in 20 years. They also defied all the odds that were against them at the beginning of the season. And they won one of the more exciting wildcard games in history and established their fan base as one of the best in postseason time. Yeah, the, the, the 2013 Pirates definitely brought out the best mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. You know, they, they seem like very good fans, very passionate when the team is good. Uh, they brought everybody out to that beautiful stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, I, you know, I remember I was, you know, th- this is when I kind of, turned into like the tuned into like the whole league yeah me too Pir- pirates were definitely w- one of the more exciting teams and probably of in the entire playoffs them and like the a's early on might have been like the most the best teams to like root for at least for like underdog story yeah i remember the uh the previous the next christmas a few months later i actually got an andrew mccutcheon t-shirt yeah, that's great. You know, after his MVP season, of course. I mean, how could you not be a fan of that guy, especially at that time? Like, yeah, he's fantastic on and off the field. I'm sure you've all heard, you know, his story. Like he wasn't brought up, uh, he wasn't dealt the the best hand when he was growing up. You know, he sort of lived like in a trailer park, I believe. I remember he had a tweet where it was like him standing in front of like a trailer, and it said like It's been a long way, you know, that I've since I've been here." And this was really his coming out season. I mean, winning an MVP, like establishing himself as the best center fielder 
in the National League and the second best in the league to Mike Trout. And you could even almost put him on that Trout pedestal too at that time. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, like uh, he was definitely a, a Trout type. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, the you know five-tool player. I, I don't know how great his arm was, but he was fantastic in the field, fantastic on in the batter's box, fantastic uh, stealing bases. And he could you know, hit he power. He had a 2020 season. He hit 317, uh, 404 on base percentage. Def, you know, all around, he didn't really lead in any offensive categories. But the whole package, he was the best in the National League that year. Yes. So that's going to do it for the 2013 Pirates. Really fun team to cover. They brought a winning culture back to a city that hadn't had it. And you'll love to see that. So now it is time for our favorite part of the show. Um, I forgot already, Chris. Did I say you pick first? Do I pick first? I am picking first. That's pick correct. First. Okay. Number one through 25. Here we go. Uh, I am going to pick, um, I'm trying to think of, of my patterns. I picked, uh, hmm. I, I, usually I know which one I'll pick. Yeah. But I don't really know which one I'll pick. Go for week. it. Uh, I'm going to go with number 13. 13. Okay. All right. So this team uh, made it to the World Series for the first time in their franchise's history. Uh, They had a really good young core, and it is the 2010 Texas Rangers. The 2010 Texas Rangers. Kind of a forgotten forgotten team. That's what I go for. Like, most people would think 2011, but let's, let's show some love to 2010 here. Yeah, the 2011 team, you know, gets all the all the, all the love. But before that, you know, you have there were definitely more develop more in the beginning of developing stages, and then you have, yeah. you have Josh Hamilton have one of the best seasons ever. Mm-hmm. This is pre Beltray too. This is the season before they got Beltray. Yeah, and I, did they have Napoli at the time? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, Nap- Napoli broke out in 2011, but you know, 2010 probably made a big impact right. as well. So uh, what number, what player are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about player number eight. <laughs> oh boy. Player number eight. I don't even know if I should show up for player number eight. I will leave you with four numbers. 298, 448, Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> This is the show I've been waiting for this entire time. Folks, we are doing Barry Lamar Bonds on the next show. Yes. This is going to be heavy-duty work for us in the next week. Barry, we're doing Barry Bonds next week. I I didn't want to go too obvious, but we have to. It's Barry Bonds. He's not – He had to say it was 298, and I knew. Yep, yep. For those yep. of you who didn't hear, the rest of the numbers are 444, 607, and 1051. That is his career quadruple slash line. Yep. So we, so thank you for tuning in to part two of episode 39. Hope you enjoyed our talk about the 2013 Pittsburgh Pirates and hope you enjoyed part one of uh episode 39 where we talked about shoeless joe jackson definitely a one of the more interesting ones especially off the field stuff and how we grew up and all that kind of happens when you when you get a dead ball 
dead ball era player. Yeah. And uh, if you want, if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you want to watch the videos with us, uh, go to our YouTube channel. It is called STBNL with Christianta and Daniel Curran. Uh, if you want to uh, follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter. I am at Chris at Chris underscore Gianta and Daniel is at Daniel underscore Curran. Right. And we thank you for listening to the uh, 2013 Pittsburgh Pirates portion of the episode. And we will be looking forward to seeing you. I am very much looking forward to this. Next Wednesday for Barry Bonds and next Friday for the 2010 Rangers. See you next Wednesday.